0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: Following a full slate of midweek fixtures, the games keep on rolling in Europe's tops league. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench, they join me to look ahead to the weekend that sees Ole Gunnar sat firmly on the hot seat, a new man at the helm of Barcelona, another Patrick Vieira homecoming, and much, much more. Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Lasso' our weekend preview. Thank you so much for being here. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave Que Lasso a rating and a review. It only takes a few seconds and it helps us to continue to make great free episodes like this, youtube.com forward slash Que Lasso. Right then, weekend preview. It's not our Halloween special. That's going to come on the Sunday recap, but James Bench, what are you going to go with for Halloween? Do you have do you have a costume this week this year
2: well i'm dressed as a a pumpkin today in uh all in orange <laughs> um the english word hullet. let's be super clear on this halloween okay. is one of your crazy american adventures inventions, inventions <laughs> that we on this side of the pond do not really approve of we'll let you do it but we're not engaging with it after the events of last year i'll tell you that
1: James, I'm countering that because I grew up in England. And yes, it's not as big as America. It really freaked me out when I came here and the houses were like insane. But uh, it's kind of accepted, but I agree. There's a passive aggressive uh, welcoming in England to it. Yeah, yeah I, if I you agree.
2: knock on someone's house in England, I, you'll get sweets. But, you know, people will be looking at you going, mm, don't like them. You'll, you'll 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 get Werther's original and that's it. That's all. You'll get.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: hey, Jimmy Conrad, you ready for Halloween, baby?
3: I am, and I take exception to what Ben just saying, because, listen, this is our version of the Day of the Dead, and we honor our dead by eating copious amounts of candy, okay? I don't understand what the big deal is. <laughs> dressing up like absolute idiots, but it's fine. Dia
2: de los muertos, that's right. <laughs> I mean, d- doesn't America honor everything by eating copious amounts of candy? Oh, my God. Yeah, is, that yeah. is
4: true. That it's is co- true. It's called culture, James. It's called <laughs> culture. You should, you that's called Pierce
2: right there, number three. Heath, you're
1: going as, uh, what's your costume? Because you'll be here for the Sunday, Rick.
4: Yeah, oh, well, don't tell I,
1: us, don't tell us, but give I, us. I,
4: I'm not saying what I'm coming as, but I know that uh, w- with with having three young kids, they have picked out my costumes for, and I think I have a, actually a couple wardrobe changes that I'm required to do throughout the weekend. So I'll be wearing one of them. Hopefully, they're good.
1: Well, hopefully they will be good. Uh, our weekend preview last year was great. Uh, James Bench came as an Italian grandmother. That was awesome. <laughs> we'll see what happens in our Sunday recap. Welcome everybody. Hey Jimmy. Jimmy, yes. you're right. coming for the Sunday recap. Are you ready for that?
3: Yes, I'm definitely ready. And I don't want to ruin who I'm going to be. I, okay. I, it's a bit of a throwback. That's what I'll say. That's my team. Hey,
1: do, do us a favor, everybody. On Twitter, Kegolazopod, uh, send us images of what you're going to go as or what you're going as. I'd love to see a collection of our weirdo listeners and watchers and seeing the best costumes. Maybe we we, we do an award for the best one. Kegel Lasso pod on Twitter. we can preview, everybody. James Bench, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. Let's talk about the action. We begin, of course, in the Premier League. Manchester United is where we go as they face Tottenham. This is it. Do or die for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We had a great episode with Rob Dawson from ESPN setting the scene. Manchester is very anxious these days as Solskjaer looks to this game that he needs to win if he doesn't win i would presume jimmy conrad that it's done
3: i don't i don't know i don't know i actually feel like they're going to give him i think they're going to give him three games however there could be this kind of pile-on effect oh well barcelona fired their guy and they didn't really have a replacement in play we can do it too we're manchester united barcelona's well they used to be pretty good but i don't and we used to be pretty good too so i don't know there there is Maybe something there uh, of of kind of building off of what has happened at Barcelona. I think it depends. If they lose, how they lose. If it's some freak play or whatever, then maybe... I, I still feel like he's going to get a week. I think they're committed to giving him three days. And that might give him time to actually hire the next person. But he's a dead man walking. I'll just throw that out there. I don't think he can last. I think there's too much, too much uh, smoke. There's too much fire, right? I don't know what the right phrase is there, but it, it's going to be tough. And without Pogba... He wasn't really starting recently anyway, but he got a red card in the Liverpool game. They need to have a good response, and they have to have that response very quickly. They have to get the 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 fans involved, even though they're traveling fans because the game's at, at London Stadium or, in, or in Tottenham, excuse me. It, it's uh, it's really important for them to get a result here. I, I feel a draw. I'm just throwing that out there right away.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like for Solskjaer that he's now found himself in his footballing version of the Terminator franchise, he is forever attempting to f- forestall judgment day. But look, we all know that it has to happen at some stage because otherwise, yes. what is the point of all hey, this? Hey James, this is quite the jump by the way. Charlie Chaplin
1: and now the Terminator. That's what we're We're doing old school movies last time. and uh, now to it's- be honest,
2: I'm just, I'm testing that out for my column really. I think <laughs> I don't know well, so we're going to run it. Um, continue, continue. So I suppose, I mean, this is definite and also on the Halloween team, this feels like scary hours for the wrong reasons because, I mean, naturally the talk is about Solskjaer, but if Nuno loses this game, I don't think it would be enough for him to get the sack, but Tottenham fans are really, really unhappy with the way their team's playing. Mm. Obviously lost to West Ham incredibly meekly uh, last weekend and and they've lost the likes of Chelsea um, and Arsenal too in recent memory. So there's pressure on Nuno. And actually I... I think, curiously, this is a game that, that probably suits Solskjaer and makes me kind of agree with Jimmy that it, it might not be the end even if they lose. Insofar as Tottenham are considered a big team, and, you know, I don't think any Manchester United manager would come under undue pressure in normal circumstances for losing to Spurs. But equally, they're a team Man United can beat quite comfortably um one fun thing to keep an eye out on Spurs are one of three teams in the Premier League that have already conceded two goals from set pieces last season they gave up the most shots in the league to set pieces and like the goals they're conceding are really bad obviously Cresswell great delivery but um you probably shouldn't let the ball drop in your penalty area off a corner especially when Antonio's nearby Thiago Silva as well I mean he managed to out jump. Deli Ali, who's a lot taller than him, for a goal last month. Loads of goals coming from set pieces from Spurs, and and Man United have uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe Harry Maguire, maybe because he's defending really badly. A lot of aerial strength. So I quite like I quite like this matchup from a Man United perspective. But you know, as we always say, it's with Man United, it's not about matchups. it's not about tactics, it's vibes,
4: vibes, yeah, well vibes. <laughs> Yeah, so I like this one as a matchup for Spurs. You know, this is, uh, in terms of a transition game, being able to counter effectively, I don't think Spurs have done that well, but it's an opportunity against a team who have one clean sheet on the year. They've given up two and a half, there's been two and a half goals in, in over 50% of their matches. It's just, it leans in the favor, at least if you want, if if Spurs were looking at a big team in the league and one that they think that they could get all three points from in the way that they play and the struggles that they have, that's, that's certainly an area that I think uh, they can be good. Obviously, that means that Harry Kane has to eventually buy back into this whole system and and uh, get going. And Jimmy, when when you talk about three games, you know you're talking about uh, Man- Manchester United plays against Spurs, and then they play Atalanta, and mm-hmm. then they play Manchester City. I mean, those three games are. I, I I feel like they've set him up to to stay longer because that's a tough three games where they can. You were to get if you were to look in normal context, four points out of that, five points, maybe six points out of those three games. It's an incredible run, right? But it, is it really solving the problem, or are you just kicking this can further down the road to eventually have a lull against two mid-table teams and then say, "Hey, that's that's enough." I, I feel like there's there's got to be something behind that that even three games doesn't seem like enough because it's how are you going to measure these three games to say, "Okay, go out and play your best ever against top teams in the league," and and uh, that's what we're going to judge you from. Otherwise, you're out. I don't know. It, it just. It, What
3: what I would jump in and say is that I actually believe when Barcelona looks back at firing Ronald Koeman, losing to Raya Vallecano was going to be the best thing for them because you just, you solved the problem. All right, we're done with that. We're done with that experiment. There was a cloud hanging over the club. It was named Ronald Koeman. Now the same cloud is hanging out over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And it's just like, everybody just wants to move on. Unfortunately, that's where it's gotten to. Yeah, we give them three games because that's what I'm hearing. Mm. But, but is it, is it? Yeah, is it just kind of being respectful to Ole Gunnar and they're already are making moves? I don't yeah, know. Are it's you going to see
1: anything change in these three games, basically? Is, exactly. is anything going to happen? Yeah, and go ahead,
3: think, you. Keep No, going. I, And I don't think there are. And if we look at – I'll just give you the tail of the tape and give you quick bets here. Both teams have won two out of the last six in the league. So both managers, to Benji's point, are under fire here. I think the players are going to be feeling some pressure too. They're not immune to what's going on. And you wonder, if they play well, do they really want this guy to stick around? I feel like there's a lot of under, uh, under the – under the hood, there with that type of stuff. Uh, Veron potentially coming back is huge for Man United, I think. Um, and we always know that Ole figures out a way to survive. I like the draw here, plus 250. Fantastic. Also, for fun, I want to take Hingman's son to score first, plus 500. In the last two months, he scored every third game, and guess what? It's the third game again. <laughs> well, uh, so so he's due. Plus, last time Spurs played at Spurs Stadium, guess who scored first? Hingman's son. So I'm going to kind of go with uh, some history and, and uh, some form right now with Hingman's son.
1: I like it. Uh, some were calling this El uh, so <laughs> no.
3: guys.
2: well Oh, so, that's amazing. So
1: creative. So creative. All right. Uh, let's give some quick predictions. James Bench, what do you think?
2: Yeah. And um, 2-1 Man United. Okay. Uh,
4: I'm going to go 1-1. Uh, 1-1. One, one.
1: One, one. Yeah.
2: My
4: I'm man. One. I'm with Keith. I'm 1-1. <laughs>
1: I need more chaos. So I need a loss here. So I think I'm I'm going for a Tottenham win. I'm going for a Tottenham win oh, here. I, I just wow. I, I'm actually pretty uh surprised that the majority of the consensus here
4: is that even You think if, they sack him though? You think they sack him after this? If, I it, think if so. it's this? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. yeah I, let, I think. Good. let me tell you something. If it's two-nothing Tottenham, which is not what I see, but let's say it happens. Sack him at halftime. Yeah. Just buy. <laughs> I, I to Jimmy's point. You, what what are you gonna learn like in three games after you lose here? Like, there's nothing. And to Jason's point, this is just vibes. There's nothing. All gonna Soshi is not suddenly gonna wake them up uh, in the uh, the next game in the Champions League. It's not. It's not gonna happen. So if they lose, like, all right, that's another one. We've already talked to Antonio Conte. Let's just get this done. Like, bye bye, whatever.
2: If they lose, yeah, who takes charge for the two games, and can it be Ronaldo? <laughs> that yeah, that would be. That would be amazing, actually. 2016 style.
3: Just
0: yeah, why not?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Get some moth, hey, I,
2: get some moth spies
3: face and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah,
4: I, I had I had one one uh, coach fired. We were up two 0 against St. Pauli, lost three two. By the end of the game, they fired him at St. Pauli after the game. The fans blocked our bus from leaving. They fired the coach. I'll tell you what, you don't want to be fired in the locker room after an away game. It's not uh, it's not a good look, and it's awkward for everybody. And it hurts a lot for, for everyone. And then the announcement goes out and, and all those things. So I'm just saying it's not, it's not, it's not a, not a pretty way to go out. Not that there but ever is. I
1: like one. James Benji's idea of Cristiano Ronaldo taking over. And then the formation is basically like uh nine and one and <laughs> just like, just letting Ronaldo just do his thing. But anyway, that's taught Manchester United Saturday, 1230 Eastern. Let's keep going in the premier league. Newcastle still under uh interim management here with Grand Jones host Chelsea. Uh, at home Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern. James Bench, let's begin with you. You've seen uh, plenty of Chelsea recently. They are traveling to Newcastle United. Paulo Fonseca remains the candidate to take over. Still some things to uh, figure out there. I know uh, Newcastle supporter Jimmy Conrad is shaking his head a little bit. We'll get to him in a second. But James Bench, talk to me about this game.
2: Yeah, I suspect Jimmy is probably thinking, well, we need someone like uh, Roy Hodgson or Sam Allardyce just to, to keep us in the division. Cause
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I don't know what the odds are here. I'm sure Jimmy does. There is a distinct chance that Newcastle get relegated. Um, this, I, I, I can't, I'll be honest. I don't know why we've got this game in the running order. Cause Chelsea are going to win it pretty comfortably. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe Pulisic comes back. That's what I'm kind of hoping. This is a great really? game. He's I ready. Know. I don't know. Uh, it feels like the right time, doesn't it? Cause the international break's coming up so he can go and get injured with the US again. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I, I think longer. actually Chelsea, Chelsea have dealt quite well with um, with the absence of Werner and the absence of uh, Lukaku. The attack clicks quite nicely with Havertz as the um, nine and a half, whatever you want to call it, the, the roving playmaker. So I, I think this will be pretty comfortable. Um, Chelsea don't look great. Uh, defensively, they're giving up a few chances. But I mean, like right now, Newcastle just don't look like a team under anyone's management that that can stay in the premier league without significant investment.
3: Put some go, Heath, I got to hop in here. Wait, put some respect on Graham Jones's name. He wouldn't got a one, one draw with crystal palace,
4: baby. Like yeah, but everybody, everybody draws with crystal palace. That is what crystal palace have become <laughs> this year is they play well. And then they draw and they might be the team that goes down uh, and uh, gets relegated on 30 points because it's 30 draws in a row. And they just finished the season after playing remarkably well for long periods. And actually people being really excited about, hey, this could be a team for the next few years. They go down because all they can do uh, is drop. But anyways, on, on the Newcastle front, obviously don't know how to keep clean sheets either, Jimmy. Them and uh, and Manchester United, not the best at, at keeping clean sheets. And again, with no Lukaku, no, no Pulisic, no Timo Werner. Um, not that Timo Werner is one that you have to truly worry about since he's been at Chelsea. But still... Uh, that that rotation we talked a lot about last year of them tinkering a lot not understanding who, where their attack was going to come from the upside as as James Bench mentioned that they're just so solid at the back that I don't see them giving up a lot of chances and this one looks like a comfortable opportunity where you know you, you put two away against Newcastle and then you 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 know kind of lock up all the doors and 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 run away with it yeah
3: yeah, I got nothing to add there. I know that we're gonna lose. You know, I, I know it's gonna be an absolute grind. I'm just trying to find some value from a betting perspective. I don't I don't think Fonseca's, I'll just so quickly about the managers. I don't think Fonseca is the right choice. The guy didn't know how to get a team to defend, and that's gonna absolutely punish you. If Fonseca gets hired, I think we will get relegated. That's my wow, my realistic take on that. What I'll say though, even money for Newcastle to get promoted, and if you're into those out weird stat. Sites now. I love the weird stat sites too, but but uh, they're saying there's a fifty percent chance that uh, Newcastle will get relegated. Norwich, though, no chance
4: in hell. They're going straight back down. So, so, so is, is that a always moving?
3: somebody worse? There's always that, somebody
4: worse. Is that a moving scale? Has, has Is it continuing to go up to fifty, or has that been has that been sliding? Uh, I mean, obviously that, it slides as gonna, the season goes, but has it's, 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 it's held. It's
3: held firm. It's held firm. I think the last oh, couple yeah. weeks. Yeah. yeah, that's even more scary. It is more scary. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, i am probably go on with the Thomas Tuchel special here, which is Chelsea to win in under two and a half goals. That seems to hit a lot. That's plus 250, pretty decent value. Uh, Newcastle have actually seen under two and a half goals in their last four games against Chelsea in all competitions. that means anything to you. Chelsea have been winning at, at both halftime and full-time in their last three matches in the Premier League. Uh, Chelsea to win both halves is plus 230. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Chelsea, though, haven't kept clean sheets in three of their four Premier League away games this season but didn't concede any of the game with Newcastle last year. And you know what? It's just, yeah, it's Chelsea going to win, but I'm trying to find some decent value for it.
1: Well, that's good value. And we're going to move on here, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Newcastle's winning this game, okay? Wow. Just save this clip right now. Plus, plus okay? 800, 8-1. Hey, eight if, wow. if, if it doesn't happen, I keep my job. If it happens, I'm that's a freaking that's genius. That's All right, let's that's move that's on. That's <laughs> on. Leicester City against Arsenal. Leicester City, by the way, a fantastic October. Uh, so far, they drew against Palace because, as uh, he said, everybody draws against Palace. They beat Manchester United 4-2. They beat Spartak Moscow. They beat Brentford 2-1. And in penalties uh, in the Carabao Cup, they beat Brighton. And now they host Arsenal. And by the way, if Jamie Vardy, he's uh, chasing that Wayne Rooney record for the most goals scored against Arsenal. Heath Pierce let's begin with you. Leicester against Arsenal.
4: Yeah, look, you're talking all about uh this Leicester side, but I'm talking about this Arsenal side, you know, unbeaten <laughs> since August. James Bench giving me the thumbs up on that one. I like that. And 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 there's a side that looks motivated and 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 I, you know, when you would you when you watch them a little bit closer, there's just these energy shifts like any team that you watch and support. It just seems like the energy is really high. There's a belief. And you know, again, I compare that to a Manchester United who can get results, but I, I don't see the belief in there are an understanding as to why. When I see Arsenal, I see a little bit more of a system. Um, Ketia also uh, scoring. He might be on the bench. You think he'll be on the bench this weekend, James?
2: Yeah, but he might not get on the pitch.
4: Give him the closing minutes when we're getting a tight, uh, like you know, comfortable little result against uh, against Leicester. But yeah, again, uh, the, the, I I I really what I really like about Arsenal at the moment is is just the Partey uh, lukonga combination in the midfield with Nojaka mm. looks really nice. You're starting to get again, you're starting to see up the spine some consistency, some reliability where the the game looks predictable. Also, there's I don't know if it's true or not, but Jamie Vardy with a little bit of a knee knock, not knowing if he's going to play. Um, didn't play in, in the midweek, didn't feature. So wondering where, where he's at with things. Obviously, that makes me happy if he doesn't because we don't want him scoring more goals against Arsenal.
3: What I'd say is more about the intangibles. Confidence is a crazy drug, and I feel like both teams have a lot of it. And I think that will influence how this game is played. Whereas if one of the teams maybe gave up a goal a month ago, a month and a half ago, their heads would go down. It'd probably stay a loss for them. But now I feel like where they're both at confidence-wise, they give up a goal. Ah, it's all good. They pick their head up, heads up. They're ready to go. We'll get it back. Don't worry, guys. You know, there's a different type of mentality that's, that's starting to seep through both of these clubs. And I'm here for it. What I will say is Jamie Vardy does have a bit of a knock. Maybe uh, Bench knows a little bit more about it. But if he doesn't start, they got this guy named Patson Daka who's been immense over <laughs> yeah. the last couple of games. Scored four against Spartak Moscow. Uh, he had the assist, uh, came off the bench and had the game winning assist against Brentford last weekend. Thought he was very good against Brighton midweek in the cup and, and scored one of the penalties to help him go through. Him to score any time is plus 130. I'm just throwing that one out there. But to no clean sheets in their last eight, Lester. So I feel like Arsenal can really take advantage of that as that defense is still trying to figure their, that side of it out. Um, and then and Heath mentioned Arsenal are beaten after getting thumped by Man City 5-0. We thought that was curtains for Mikel Arteta, but here he is on the back end of things. I don't know. Another thing I'd want to add is, and I want to hear this from Bench. It, it seems like he might start the same team that beat Aston Villa last weekend, three-one. And if that's the case, I'm 100% all for it because I feel like managers tinker so much. Consistency is so key, and also to Heath's point about Lacanga and Partey, like getting the same guys out there every single week, building that rapport is so incredibly important. And if that happens, I think Arsenal might have the slight edge. But I like the draw plus two thirty. <laughs> 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 listen, listen. If I, if I have the draw parlay of the draw I mentioned earlier between Spurs and Man United and this one, that's ten to one. Yeah. I'm just saying. I might yeah. throw I just might do a little action. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm a little boring. I'm straddling the fence. It's comfortable well, here. Get off my back.
1: That's fair enough.
2: I like those odds. Um, And I I think this may well be a draw as well. Just on what Jimmy was saying there, I think so long as Ben White is fit, I think Mm -hmm. he had a little bit of a a sickness bug, but he was fine to play in midweek. If he's fit, I would imagine they will roll out the the same team, maybe bring in Tierney as well for Nuno Tavares, which is uh, probably an upgrade, if anything, even though his form's been off. Yeah, I really liked the 4-4-2-ish that they were playing against Villa. Um, It will also work quite well against Leicester, who are going to line up with that back three. With Lacazette, you kind of have someone that when he drops, he drops with a purpose. I mean, he and Aubameyang, it's remarkable that they basically haven't played as a strike force under Arteta. And they only played a little bit under Emery. But they like each other. They know each other. They're good friends. They know when to move. There were some great moments. I've just been going back to watch some clips from the Villa game for work, not just for fun, um, mm-hmm. but a lot also for fun. <laughs> uh, and there are moments where you see Aubameyang just bend his runs just to create an angle for Lacazette to move into. Um, that could be really dangerous. I, I don't know if Johnny Evans is going to be available and fully fit for Leicester because Leicester with Johnny Evans can defend; they can keep clean sheets. Leicester without him look really, really vulnerable. Um, kind of a, in the counter uh, against, um, you know, against set plays as well. They they just don't look the same without Evans. I think that could could swing me towards Arsenal. But I'm like Jimmy: two really good teams, two teams that. Probably if it was 10 minutes to go, they might just subconsciously settle for a draw. So I had this coming out at like 2-2, something like that. Yeah, well, if you um,
1: look back at that Villa game, if, if Arteta and to Jimmy's point, if they stay with the same squad from that thing, one thing that was clearly evident, aside from the tactical side, from an offensive perspective, is that they were so aggressive. They were first to every ball. And if they can match that, against Leicester City, you don't see why not. Why not? Arsenal could continue this good run. Let's uh, discuss now Manchester City against crystal palace patrick you know our producer des norris was like uh, patrick vieira homecoming and i was like what are you talking about i totally no, forgot vieira played at city for yeah, once le-
4: let's not call it a homecoming yeah so like, he, <laughs> I would, like i would like it's, it's, yes. it's the summer house you, it's yeah, a I, it's a little bit of like a, you know a, a, a garden home where maybe perhaps you <laughs> you go he and coach there for career. many years though i mean he
3: uh, yeah,
1: exactly on no, this street look the, see i told you this that two arsenal fans are going to be right in our case talking about a homecoming but that's what it is manchester city against crystal palace uh we've had uh conor gallagher was on sky sports talking about uh, hopefully these draws all these draws will turn into victories and he has a point like they're a very very you know it's kind of amazing how much they have advanced really uh from last season james bench uh, this palace side where i know that we're Fans of what Vieira is doing, obviously the victories are not turning uh, right now, but they face a Manchester City side at home who just uh, got kicked out of the Carabao Cup, a 21-game unbeaten streak there in that tournament uh, by West Ham. And, uh, you know, what do you make of this one? Palace Vieira looking for that victory. Can it happen away at Man City?
2: No, I mean. So the
0: good news
1: is, at least
2: you're not drawing anymore. That's that's the plus. Right. Um, well, they are they're a really tough team. They play physically. They press well. Um, I, I've actually been really quite impressed with Benteke uh, and even players like Jordan Ayew. They they tend to come at these games with a plan, um, and they will find the weak links in your team and press them quite aggressively. Thought Ayew did that really well um, when I saw them in the flesh against Arsenal. I just, I'm not, it's, it's city, isn't it? And the city team that probably are more bruised by being knocked out of the EFL cup than any other team would be. I think Mm. they'll, you know, they'll come back and, and um, come back with some energy. I just wanted to briefly say, while we're talking palace, um, anyone hop on Twitter, go and check out the, um, what they've done with their new Academy, which is just being opened as we sort of speak right now by Gareth Southgate. Amazing facilities. This team is, is sat on the gold mine, of European football talent in South London up there with you know up there with Paris and places like that. Like <laughs> they may not be a, a, a real top team this season, but if five, six years' time with that academy, yeah, it's they are coming. gonna have it's a couple of youngsters. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they're gonna look good in their well, I kind of call them the faux Barcelona with the way that their jerseys look. <laughs> I will say Wilfred Zaha is coming back in. I think he'll get back into the starting lineup after returning yep. to first team action last week. So they're gonna have to make room for some of the players that Ben's just talking about. They're actually kind of necessarily overachieving, but playing to what we expected from them because we know that they're talented guys. Now, as you mentioned, Crystal Palace, four straight draws, so something's got to give, and I think they're going to lose as well. I talked to somebody who was so excited yesterday that Man City got knocked out. Oh, my God, Man City, they've won this League Cup four consecutive years. I can't believe it. We we got a chance. Everybody's got a chance. I said, listen, that's just going to give them more energy and focus and time to win all the other competitions. He's like, oh, you know, and completely (laughs) took all the win out of his sails because... That's going to be the issue now. And, and I actually think if you're going to lose in a cup competition, we used to talk about it when we played, if you're going to lose in your open cup or FA cup or whatever, better to do it as soon as possible. And that way you don't have to worry about any crappy midweek games, traveling to wherever you can just focus on the ones that, that you can now focus on moving forward. And I think that helps city a lot, especially as they try to attack multiple competitions, they don't have to worry about the league cup anymore. And I think they're going to come out guns blazing. They haven't conceded a, a home league goal this whole season. I don't think crystal palace is going to get one unless it's maybe Ben tech you know, on a, on a set piece, I could see something. Uh, they and Palace did, last time when they played twice last season. Palace didn't score in either game. It's pretty much the same team. I know Palace is a little bit better, but than they were last season. But uh, City, City, and I, I, I like them to win to
4: nil, minus 125. Yeah, I'm giving you my bets already, suckers. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I mean, it, again, draws or losses against the, your 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 top opponents is not a good look for, for Crystal Palace. Obviously, I'm kind of torn in the way that they play. I do think Manchester City win this one, but I'm torn in the way that they play just because when they get wide open on you, they look really dangerous, and they look like a top team in the way that they'll pull you in and out of spaces. You know, just the dynamic of it reminds me of just any of the top you know the world's best sort of counterattacking teams or teams that are good in transition where they make defenses look poor they look unorganized they look out of whack and and that I get torn between that and and the actual way in which they finish games which is a draw um and so I think this one is too much for for Manchester for Manchester city to 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 drop and again on this quest obviously sad to see uh, uh, Zach Stefan. Uh, our starter, we're probably not going to qualify for a World Cup. Uh, actually, he's not our starter; he's our backup. So, uh, at Matt Turner screwed up. Matt Turner screwed you It is you, would, you. You wouldn't believe that, that Matt Turner probably thought about that as like what that means for him when he saw that result, which is just the way it works in your mind when you're being competitive. But overall, um, too strong of a city, and and not one where, unless unless Palace can put up multiple goals in this game, I just don't see them holding off. Uh, City. And when I mean multiple, I don't mean one or two. I mean like three or beyond to go hit for hit. Otherwise, Manchester City win this one comfortably.
1: Yeah, well, um, this... At the very least, could be a very aesthetically pleasing game just because uh, both teams like to move the ball, et cetera, et cetera. But Manchester City, third as we speak, with 20 points, and Palace in 15th. All right, let's wrap up the Premier League. Uh, there's Norris. Let's hey, put hey up a-
4: Luis, real quick, by the way, Zach Stefan kept a clean sheet in regular time, just so you guys know. He just, yeah, great. He didn't miss <laughs> any penalty. Hey, you know, he he yeah, any he missed penalty. five in a row. He missed five in a row, but yeah. like he did, he did, you can't, you know what I mean? It's like the betting odds. You only get the 90 minutes. The rest is up to everyone else. Do their job. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm cool. giving that to their back for it. All right, let's, uh, Let's keep moving here. The, the, the Premier League, we're wrapping up. Leicester City and Arsenal kick off everything on the weekend with 7.30 a.m. Eastern. Watford, Southampton, Liverpool host Brighton. We talked about Newcastle, Chelsea, City Palace. Burnley against Brentford. Tottenham United, of course, is the lunchtime game. Eastern time on Saturday. Late game in local time. Norwich against Leeds United. Villa against West Ham. I am very nervous. And on Monday, it's Wolves against Everton. We're going to take a break. When we come back, there's much more to discuss in Europe, including a new man in Barcelona. We can preview Kegolazo. We'll be right back.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Que Weekend Preview. James Benjamin, Jimmy Conrad, Heath, Pierce. We are now in Europe. Barcelona face Alaves and Ronald Kuman. After 15 points from 10 matches, two losses already in the Champions League. Ninth in La Liga, he is gone. Sergio Barjuan will be the interim manager. He's a Barcelona B coach. He will be in charge of this game Saturday Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Xavi Hernandez is on his way. Joan Laporta says, I couldn't keep Lionel Messi for you, but I'm giving you Xavi, who should be presented very soon after the weekend. Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. What do you make of this? Xavi on his way, but most importantly, I guess, Kuman gone and Barcelona's situation—you know, pretty alarming.
3: Yes, pretty alarming. This whole thing's a bit of a dumpster fire. But uh, the prodigal son, or one of the prodigal sons, returns. I just want it. When when I say Xavi, I think Iniesta, right? Peanut butter, I think jelly. Like these two things have to happen, and I hope that he can coax Iniesta to come back and be on the coaching staff in some capacity. That's my big yeah. hope and dream. What I did hear, though, is that Xavi was already pushing Laporta like, hey, we need a defender. Like, our defense is kind of crap. Yeah. Thanks, Captain Obvious. It is crap. So, listen, I would say. What's Puyol doing these days? Might as well. Couldn't get any worse. But but he's like, we want to go get Jules Koundé. And, and that's what I heard. That's the smoke that I'm hearing with regards okay. to these rumors. Yeah, every $80 million to go get Jules Koundé. You don't even have $5 million, dude. Like, what? You can't start pushing people around to go sign some players. And do you think Sevilla, who are currently tied on top of the table, are just going to hand over one of their best young defenders in the world? Get out of here, Xavi. So I feel like he's in for a rude awakening about what's going to happen. And it's going to be up to him to somehow mold this team to get into the knockout rounds of the Champions League, to, to steady the ship and to qualify the top four by the end of the season. And I think his tasks will be somewhat manageable, but he's got a lot of work to do to kind of rework the psyche of the team and really instill or reinstill the DNA that Barcelona is known for.
4: What I would say is if, if I'm uh, Barcelona board right now, I'm telling Javi to go study the model of Major League Soccer. Welcome to Major League Soccer. <laughs> You've been handed a team that have contracts. Mm-hmm. You don't have any money. You've overspent. That's fair. You don't, there's nowhere to go with it. Learn the model of how you're going to be efficient. Because I think it, you know, there, there is a frustration because you have this half glass full. If you're going to take a managerial job, maybe you know, just like Kuman knew he was stepping into a tough environment. But I I, I you know, to double down on what, what Jimmy said, that's a tough situation to go into because now you're being brought in with all this pressure, legend of the club. And if the club doesn't back you and say this is a rebuild project, this is a refined sustainability. You know, we need to to to, to rebuild things uh, strategically. We're going to go out and it, we're going to have a robust scouting network that might not come from in-house or we're going to have it in-house that at least has to have a plan as to where you're going. Because if you go in now with, oh yeah, he's just a new manager in Barcelona, people quickly forget that they have zero dollars to spend. In fact, they need to continue to shed dollars. And so there's not a lot of upside right now for him in terms of how you're going to improve the results. Right now, they need to clean up the house and figure out how they're going to Work with this team. How you're going to bring in players from La Masia? How you're going to find some of these clever signings? Because you look at you look at um, uh, RB Leipzig and others. They've done a good job of building good scouting networks that allow you to bring in players for cheap and perhaps sell on players if you don't. Or Chelsea style, where you have a loan system. But again, I don't know how they're going to get through all of this debt and work through this in a way that's positive for Xavi, on the way that's positive for the team to continue to get results and keep the fans happy.
2: Um, I hate to disagree with two former professional footballers, US internationals, people that know the game far, 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 far better than I do. However, I think this is a great time for Xavi to take the job. Reasons being one, for the first time, you know, in, since Lionel Messi made his debut, you're not crippled by the weight of expectations that come with having the greatest player in the world, the greatest player that's ever played the game two. Actually, this team's not as bad as the, the points total looks. I mean, I, I've just been looking at the numbers here. Highest expected goals in La Liga is coming from Barcelona. They're attacking all right. They're just not, they're not quite putting the ball in the net yet. There are some good things there. There are some good players in the squad. And and yes, you don't suddenly, you don't, it's not title or bust. It's not uh champions league semi-finals or bust. You, you know, you've come in with expectations way, way down. You will have time as well because you're Xavi no one's sacking Xavi straight away. Um, I think as a gig, it is uh, not too shabby. That's
4: horrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, brilliant.
2: Uh, Absolutely brilliant. You mic drop, George
1: Costanza. Just leave that room, James Bench. This is a tricky situation. I am balanced, uh, imbalanced uh, between Heath and Jimmy's point and James Bench's. Part of the reason is because this is Xavi Hernandez, a man that can come in and sort of rejuvenate what Barcelona is all about, right? R- re- sort of restructure the philosophy of tiki-taka, sort of Pep Guardiola 2.0. And you would think that almost immediately come now, definitely the first home game is going to be tremendous, right? So that's one side. You also have Ansu Fati, Gabi, Pedri when he's healthy, James Benji's point. There are players there that can hopefully follow a system that Xavi is so passionate with, which is a 4-3-3, 3-4-3. The ball is the treasure. It is not a bomb. Let's keep it. Let's press high. It's basically Guardiola 2.0, as I said. So that's the good time. The, the, uh, The side that I worry about is that much like Newcastle United, Barcelona need a realist. Somebody that needs to tell them, you know, as strong as you are, you're also super vulnerable. Memphis Depay, for example, has lost the ball more than anybody in Barcelona. Right. And that is something that is not going to be to the appeasement of Shabby. There are players there that are going to need to really adapt and adapt quick. Serginio Dest is one of them, just because not necessarily because of who Serginio Dest is, but what Serginio Dest has been used to. So I worry about this. So I'm going between James Bench and Jimmy and Heath because I don't know how it's going to work. Having said all that, I like this. Because to James Bench's point is, there's no more Lionel Messi anymore. This is almost a blank canvas where you can say, we are going to instill something. It's just that sometimes this club right now, more so than ever, needs a reality check. And that's what worries me about Xavi Hernandez. He did great things with al Sadd, Like he's been undefeated since the beginning of last season. They play great stuff. But that's al Sadd in Qatar. This is Barcelona now in La Liga. It's a different thing. So I do worry. By the way, before we say goodbye, I d- I'm, goodbye. Well, goodbye on this point. But Matt Miazga is facing this side this weekend. Heath Pierce, what do you think?
4: Yeah, he's been really good. The The, the issue is, is that he's not really a, a hidden commodity. Obviously, part of the the Chelsea loan system forever. And I think he gets his shots and does well when he's in the national team. Uh, so I think he warrants a call-up. Obviously, the guy's playing the, in La Liga consistently. It's just hard to figure out where he fits in. And perhaps Greg has an idea. And it's also a good sign, right? A player that was playing at this, that was a shoe in some some years ago maybe even a starter in the national team for playing at a club of that size um but yeah he's, he's he's been really good and obviously they've been they've been they won their they won two of their last three i think last two in a row they've won three of their last six they or three of their last five they they lost their first five of the season which i think is an argument against greg now they've in their last five they've won three and two in a row and and he's been a big part of that so i think that's an argument to, to bring him back into camp uh and have him in the mix to see if maybe there's a different confidence in the player we're talking about as James Bench mentioned with, with Barcelona, it's the qual—it's not the quality of the player. Sometimes it's the confidence and the ability to get the most out of those players. So, so perhaps there is a development happening in him where he's found comfort and, and we're seeing him step to another level and that warrants a, a shout into the national team.
3: Yeah, I would agree with Heath's sentiments. What I would argue is that I'm not the biggest Miazga fan because there's always a mistake ready to happen with him. And and maybe he can eliminate that, that mentality or his risk-taking or his casualness or whatever it may be. And I also think that hopefully this experience will allow him to become a little bit more vocal and not in terms of like firing up the other team or doing stupid shit to Diego Linez with the height stuff or whatever it is. But it's more of a it, it's more about just getting players in good spots to make plays. And I don't know if he does enough of that. Now, I just want to shout out Alaves because a couple of weeks ago they beat Atletico Madrid 1-0. They lost to Bill Bows in the top six and then they lost to Betis both 1-0. You're coming in with a team that actually are pretty good and know who they are and what they're about. And then they beat Cadiz and then they beat Elche. If, if, when I look at the, the terms of quality, Barcelona kind of falls into the Cadiz-Elche vibe for me at the current moment. And all of us things they can play with them. And obviously having that result when they beat Atletico Madrid is going to give mm. them a ton of confidence. I don't think this is going to be a very easy game. And I'm looking at the draw plus 400 because why not? You know, There's not a lot of good value, but that's what I'm looking at. I'm a draw machine today, but in terms of value, it's pretty good. I also like under two and a half goals. I think Alves is pretty organized and, and Barcelona is so hot and cold. I think you get plus 155 there.
1: Quick prediction on this game then, James Bench. What
4: do you think? 2-0 uh, Barcelona. Oh, there you go. Heath? Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 uh, Barcelona. And not very tight, but 2-1.
1: All right. Well, before we move on to Serie A, I do want to just quickly say one thing about La Liga, and I would like just everybody to just give me a very quick thought on it, because I look at this table, by the way, and it's like kind of crazy. 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 Real Madrid, Sevilla, Real Betis, who, by the way, are my team of the league right now. They're so good and they're Pellegrini. Real Sociedad, they all have 21 points. So the differential is on goal difference. After that, Falcao and Rayo Vallecano on fifth with 19, which is also Osasuna. Atletico Madrid, the defending champions, 18 points and seven. Athletic, Bilbao, 17 points. And then Barcelona uh, in ninth with 15th. Espanol, 10th uh, over there with 14. This is so tight. The race is so tight. I know it's not even November, but has anything changed your mind on who's going to win this? I want Sevilla to just take this heat. What do you, what, quick.
4: I, I, I mean, nothing's changed my mind. It's just funny that how we're talking about the spectacular seasons of the others and how bad the other the top three don't want to win a championship, and that's <laughs> how and that's how we've gotten to the numbers where like, wow, overperforming. Oh, these guys are really bad, and now we've got this group uh, at the top of the table that actually makes the league the league more exciting. But it's still, I mean, gosh, I look at Real Madrid and I think, wow, it's it's theirs to lo- to lose, and I, I don't I don't think they have to worry. But maybe there's a Sevilla uh, argument there for sure. But when you look at Batiste... Sociad, Vallecano, just it's so hard to sustain that for an entire season that, you know, if they could sneak into Europe, I think that's considered a huge success for them as a team. But I'm still liking Real Madrid at the top in terms of their ability to potentially string together a window of, you know, eight games during a crunch time of the season where they can give themselves a little gap at the top of the table.
3: Yeah, I love Carlo Ancelotti. I think he's a player whisperer. I think that uh, he does a very good job of getting the most out of his players. Vinicius Jr. is a great example of that. Kareem Benzema is obviously in fine form. Atletico Madrid, though, I don't think you can sleep on those guys. They still have a game in hand if they win it. They're also on 21 points. They have the talent to do so. I just feel like they get it in each other's way mm. uh, or they get collectively get, get it in their, their own way. If, if if Diego Simeone can figure out the best starting 11, and can roll that out consistently, very similarly to what we were talking about with Arsenal. I think they can make a run. I just don't think he's figured out his best 11. And if they can stay healthy, they're going to figure it out defensively. I think Atlético are still, for me, the slight favorites to 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 repeat as champions.
2: Yeah, I, I can only agree with Jimmy, really. I, it's a bit strange in that you feel they took maybe the e league form they had at the end of their title winning season mm-hmm. into this one. But, you know, only one defeat. I do think Sevilla will be there until quite late in the day uh, if they don't actually win it, which I wouldn't say feels impossible now. Um, they're a team that just seem really hellish to play against. You know, they they keep the ball well. They make the most of the chances they make. And, you know, they've got some really solid centre-backs at the back. So, yeah, I'm with Jimmy that I lean towards Atleti. Um, but I, I actually, I think Sevilla will will be there until late on. That would be wonderful.
1: All right, let's move off to Serie A, where you can watch it on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. Uh, there were some midweek games as well. So as we tape this... Napoli still has to play as well, but uh AC Milan, they won on Tuesday, they won the past weekend. They traveled to Jose Mourinho's Roma. That's Sunday, 3:45 Eastern on Paramount plus Atalanta against Lazio. That sounds really tasty. Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus as well. And before I get the thoughts uh on, on those two games, it's important to remember that there's been some midweek matches, but again. Milan leading the table. Napoli, obviously with that game in hand, Inter Milan, Roma and Atalanta Lazio lead that group. Uh, Heath, let's begin with you. Serie a, What do you expect? Uh, Roma, AC Milan, by the way, Wh- which one do you like more? Atalanta Lazio, Roma, AC Milan, both. You could say I, whatever.
4: I, I I prefer Roma, AC Milan in this one. It's a test for both of them, right? If, if, if Roma want to be a team that is challenging for a title, which uh, they struggle to do for, for, for seasons to stay in that race, this is a game they have to win on the flip side. AC Milan have to win this. If you look at AC Milan again last year, I think it was 21 or 22 games into the season, they were they were top of the table and and leading that title race. They're seemingly on pace for that. Now this season only beats last season by by one win in the first 10 games. Again, going un, un, unbeaten in their first 10 games, they were more dependent on Zlatan last year than they are this year. They found a little bit more of an identity. Obviously, having more players that can score. Uh, through the team my only worry actually for AC Milan in this one is is uh the Mike M- Mignon, I I believe is I'm not sure how to pronounce his name the goalkeeper Manuel
1: Mike Mignon. Mignon.
4: Mignon uh came from 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 Champions Champions uh of of Ligue 1, Lille uh a quality player but out until the beginning of next season with with a shoulder injury and that's one where you start to to wonder for cohesion we know that these teams are better we know that AC Milan is better than they were last year but there's still a depth issue for me that I that I worry about if they, if they hit too many too many injuries. But this is the year. If AC Milan are going to do it, they've sort of got the right recipe to, to win. And and I, I'm trying to think of, uh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, okay, so their upcoming schedule, they have Roma, then they have Porto, then they have Inter. So this is, again, crunch time. Similarly, when you're looking at Manchester United and their league, this is crunch time for them to really show that they're a title contender. They need to get more points than the other teams. Uh, obviously, there's a Champions League game in the middle of that, though. But they need to be able to win these games to keep pace and keep out in front of uh, uh, of these other teams. Obviously, Napoli... Are, I think are, are capable of it. Inter have fallen off just a little bit um, in the league, but this is they have an opportunity. If they can get to ten points uh, clear of of most others, other than Napoli, by by Christmas or or, or the break uh, around around Christmas, then I think I really like their odds to stay up on top. But they have to start by winning against Roma. I'm going
2: like, to sort of dive onto one of the maybe one of the lesser games on paper although I think it'll be a really good one um Verona against Juventus we were talking a, bit, a little bit about this in the week um obviously with Juventus losing to Sassuolo it kind of feels like the title is gone for them which is a remarkable thing to say um with less with that quarter of the season played yeah Juventus in seventh with 15 points yep so that is what, what uh more than 10 off Milan correct me if I'm wrong Luis correct yeah, it's, it's a huge gap to make up. Obviously, we've seen them make up gaps before, but better teams. And I mean, I'm starting to wonder if Juventus are even going to, you know, they're basically in a dogfight, probably for one Champions League spot, unless they really turn their form around. It'll be a good game as well, because Verona are scoring an awful lot of goals. We saw Gio Simeone. He got four last time out. Nikola Kalinic as well, someone that, you know, he's maybe not the... A, a dream striker for anyone's team, but he always gets goals. He's a really tough player to play against. And, and right now, you know, Allegri has not settled on a, a formation that, that suits his team. They looked quite poor, I thought, against um, Inter Milan as well, in a, in the back th- in, was it in the back three, and, and playing without Chiesa and Dybala. Really reliant on those two in particular to do anything in attack. Yeah, And, you know, this is... Suddenly, these games like Verona are potential banana skins. And, you know, I think Allegri could end up by Christmas having to radically rethink everything just to try and get in the top four
3: yeah I'm gonna probably go back to Roma though I like that matchup a lot I think there's a lot of intrigue into Serie A in particular this season and I'm glad Paramount Plus has it because we get to explore it and watch more games and it's it's very very cool what I'll say quickly about Roma and AC Milan is this feels like a game that's right for Jose Mourinho to beat Milan for the first time this season they haven't lost they're on top of the table everything's going well what I do like about Milan is that they can beat Torino in a hard-fight game, 1-0, but then the game before they score four to to get a four-two results. You know where they're struggling a bit is in is in Europe, and I feel like maybe Mourinho's tactics will try to mirror what's happening to them in Europe in some capacity. So, so it, it's to Heath's point. This is a big game for both of these, and it's hard to turn my eyes or give attention to anything else. Though I do want to speak quickly about Atalanta, but I think this is a game that Mourinho is going to pull something out. It's going to be a hard-fought 1-0 game, and nobody's going to be happy. Nothing's going to be aesthetically pleasing about this, but it will have a lot of intrigue and, and probably some fun narratives because that's what Jose Mourinho always produces. Quickly about Atalanta, their games against Lazio, the last five times they've met, always over three and a half goals. Like There's just goals on goals on goals, and there's nothing I'm seeing from these particular teams. Atalanta's back line, not as strong as it was last season. Lazio, a little bit all over the place in the back as well. Over three and a half goals is plus 150. I love that one. They have almost identical records. atalantas in fifth, Latios in sixth, uh 18 and 17 points respectively. Here it comes. But what I, like, is it? I like I was gonna say the draw, but I like Adelante to win. <laughs> both teams to score plus 240. <laughs> I was. I just think both teams are gonna score if you're into. You know, the gambling, uh, just take that into consideration that both teams will hit the back of the net.
1: I like it. I like it. Great stuff. All right, let's have a look at the remaining uh, fixtures there in Serie A, uh, the ones that we haven't discussed. Torino, Sandoria, Inter Milano Udinese, of course, Fiorentina, Spezia. Uh, a lot of conversation about Laovitz, by the way, and his future. Genoa, Venezia, Sassuolo, Empoli, Salernitana, Napoli. By the way, they have a game to play as we tape this and Bologna-Cagliari on Monday. So that's your Serie A. Very quick, by the way, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain against Lille. That's a Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Now, (laughs) I mean, PSG, we always have to mention them just because of what's happening. But, you know, uh, just speaking from a table perspective, they're still leading that. So, uh, James Bench, how how do you see this PSG side as we uh, just... Basically, you know, a weekend before a Champions League game for PSG, I always, I'm always wary as well. Kylian Mbappé is reportedly not available per Jonathan Johnson as well, and they face Leo. And you interviewed a Lille player recently.
2: Yeah, I did speak to Timothy Ware, fantastic uh, young kid. And I think, I mean, I haven't, I haven't published any of the stuff he said about the US men's national team. That will maybe hold for a couple of weeks. So uh, you might be hearing more on there that. You know, so keep your but, eyes uh, that one. <laughs> But a, a really smart kid, great head on his shoulders. I did not realize that his dad is really not being involved in his uh, career much at all. He says that George Ware, not that bothered about football anymore. Busy uh, being president of Liberia, I guess. Uh, he and might have a few other responsibilities. Yeah. got some stuff on. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, a lot of the coaching came from his, his mum. But talking about Lille specifically, um, he, he sort of said one of the challenges they've had this season is that everyone is coming in hard on them. They've got a target on their back every game. That's just what happens when you're champions of France. And I suspect that will be doubled against PSG who, I mean, maybe this will actually motivate them. I think that's always every sort of PSG game. You kind of have to go, is there anything that's actually going to make these people turn up and play at full capacity? If there is, they'll win. Um, Yeah. It's been tough for Lille. That's tough to score on, but um, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not when it's PSG up against them.
3: I don't know. I think there's something to be said about Marseille getting that zero-zero result against PSG last week. That maybe there are ways to stifle them. And, but Leo Messi still hasn't scored in the league. Is it? Gonna, is it this? Is this the weekend that it's going to happen? That's kind of my big question. He's got three goals in the Champions League so far, but he's got none in Liga. We just thought it was going to be the opposite. Well, we've seen him score in the Champions League plenty of times, but we just thought, oh, it's the Farmers League. You know, Messi's going to score sixty goals, and and he's yet to score in any of them, and it makes me wonder about Mauricio Pochettino and and if he just has too many. We've talked about it before, but but uh, I don't know too many chefs, not enough cooks. You know, if they find the right balance to get these guys the ball in the good spot. So I'm very curious to see how Messi steps up if Mbappe doesn't play. Who's going to be out there to make that happen? I saw that Neymar clarified his statement about. Uh, internet playing for brazil and just like he always goes into every season like it's his last you know so he's trying to back off of that a little bit which i found to be interesting no, i knew that was, was gonna see cool but That's yeah right. but to bench's point leal has been pretty good over the last four games you can tell there's been an emphasis on defending they they beat marseille 2-0 they lost to clermont foot 1-0 they drew with sevilla i thought was pretty impressive 0-0 and then they had 1-1 with brest last week so there's something that they're working on but i think it's sometimes when you work too much on one side, it handcuffs you going forward. I could see this one being under two and a half goals plus 150, but uh, I don't know. Then PSG, Messi could score five goals. and You're like, all right, that bet sucks. Sometimes. Yeah, I think
4: the the only thing that I I can see here is I've read a little bit about Messi also having a little bit of a knock, and they they may sit him for this one uh, as well, and that's where I think Leal have that chance again. I don't I don't think Messi's been spectacular. He spent his whole life in a completely different system, and now you're trying to figure it all out, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is really hard and challenging. And maybe it's better that he is on the field, but obviously no one would ever say it's better with Messi uh, on on the field uh, to to play against. And so Leal, obviously they I, I they won the 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 league super cup, I trophy, champions or whatever, which is the league and the, and, and the cup winners play each other early on in the season. Look like they had glimpses. Obviously they know how to match up well or get up for this type of game, but they've struggled overall, obviously losing a number of players, losing their coach to, to, to Nice as well. Uh, a lot of change, but like Jimmy said, I think they found a little bit more of who they are, a new identity Um, and you know, anytime that, that, that you have sort of a Cinderella story like Leal's was, and and there's no other way to put that teams are going to match up against you differently, respect you differently. And that's up to the players now to step their game up to the next level. You'll see a ceiling from a number of those players because they had a lights out year or, or those top players were found out about and sold and moved on. And so I think it's a huge challenge for them this entire season. I think they're sitting somewhere around the middle of the table and this will be uh, as James Benj mentioned, another one that's going to be hard uh, because PSG, I think, are 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 you know going out for all three points and have a far better better team to match up against.
1: Yeah, well, Lille have won just 15 points after 11 games in league uh, this season. Only Nantes in 2001, 2002, and Montpellier in 2012, 2013 have had fewer points as a reigning champion at this stage. But PSG have lost their last two games against Lille no competition. So they could be three in a row. That's the first time for PSG against an opponent since 1987. So there you have it. But that's it. That's our weekend preview. James Bench, Heath, Piers, Jimmy Conrad. We are finishing with our final thoughts. James Bench, what say you for your final thoughts?
2: Yeah. Uh, if you're looking away from the mainstream, couple of games to point you towards uh, this weekend. In the Women's FA Cup semi-final, chelsea uh, taking on Man City, Man City struggling a bit. So it looks like we're going to get a Chelsea Arsenal final, providing mm, Brighton tasty. don't pull up, pull off any upsets. And then one that I might try to check out, um, Hatay spore against Besiktas. Now, I don't know anything about Hatay Sport, but I know that they're second in the Super League, that the big kind of powers in Turkey are really struggling a little bit at the moment. You've got Trabzon Spor leading the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued by that. I don't know why it is that Besiktas, Galatasaray, and Fenerbahce are struggling, but I want to find out quite soon.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, yeah, really quick, I'm going to go MLS because there's two games that have huge implications on the playoffs. You have DC United sitting in that last playoff spot on 44 points, okay? They're taking on the Columbus crew who are in 10th on 41. So obviously, if you're doing the math, if the crew win, they're going to be tied on points with DC United. Conversely, though, in 8th and ninth on 43 points, are the New York Red Bulls in Montreal. And guess what? They play against each other this weekend as well. So those four teams are competing for one playoff spot. And that pumps me up. And that's why this is the part of the season that I really enjoy about MLS because everybody's kind of in it. and There's that juice that we're looking for.
1: Yeah, I love it. And not getting into the playoffs in MLS, we all know, is an absolute joke. Oh yeah, yeah.
4: Don't worry; they'll add a few more teams soon uh, that that can get in, so that you know we're all having it. We're all having anticipation trophies. Yeah. Well, you don't want to be part of a market that doesn't get included in in uh, in playoffs. But is it, does, it. does 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 this go out today? Just just yeah. Well, okay. on
1: YouTube it does, and on podcast yeah. on Friday. But go okay. ahead.
4: But for today, if you're watching this on YouTube, obviously Concacaf Champions League final, uh, Monterey against América. Uh, obviously, uh, our 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 brothers to the south. We usually don't talk about them unless we have one of our teams in there, uh, just to only make it to a final to lose. But obviously, two great teams uh, and um, and uh, worth watching as well. If you're if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, that game is tonight, seven p.m. That's
1: yeah, it. absolutely. No, absolutely. Great call on that one. I'm going to do my final thoughts on Bruce Arena. OK, I don't do this often, but like for uh, New England Revolution to set the uh, single the single season points record. Uh, pretty impressive. But this quote, by the way, by Jeff Lemieux, uh, I'm quoting from him. It's amazing that New England Revolution, by the way, were a mess a few years ago. And uh, Bruce Arena came in and do and some things But Bruce Arena said. It's kind of remarkable. I said to the team. What A shit show I inherited in May of 2019. <laughs> think how far they've come. This kind of uh is kind of remarkable, it really is. I, Bruce Arena, God bless you, man. Why he, are you? It's a,
0: <laughs> he also, he also, the best, about the best
3: American stu- coach of all time.
4: No question. He also talked about how stupid the supporter shield is this year. It's the stupidest thing he's ever seen because it's an unbalanced schedule, and so obviously, they're they're you know, you're not playing against all the teams to have this balanced schedule out. Like, he's he's willing to say. Uh, anything that comes to his mind, which is so uh, refreshing to I me, mean, they got a couple of games in hand. By the way, that record was set by LAFC in 2019. So yeah, that's right. What they were calling the best season ever um, has now been beaten with a couple of games in hand.
1: Yeah, Greg Berhalter could use that quote, says our producer. Uh, but I love the fact that he goes into the locker room. Everybody's so happy, and everybody's like, guys, well done. What a shit show, I inherited in 2019. Uh, I love it. Well, here's to you, Bruce Arena, and here's to Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench. Heath Pierce, thank you, buddy.
3: Thank you. Jimmy, appreciate you. Peace out, everybody.
1: Thanks so much, James Bench. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a great, great weekend. Enjoy your Halloween. We will be back on Sunday recap as well. Plenty more to watch and listen on Kegolasso. See you next time. Enjoy the rest of your day.